This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Good morning, good morning. Professor Ward Scott here in the manly, manly Warthog Command Center in the Melton Law Studio in the Piney Woods of North Central Florida, God's country. Melton Law is uh, the only official law partner firm partner of the Florida Gators, 50 years of experience, and they won't back down. And of course, crime prevention is there for your uh, worry less crime prevention needs at uh, all sorts of measures they can help you with, package theft, the whole nine yards. Contact them today at cpss.net. And of course, Maurice T. McDaniel, our hometown High Springs country lawyer, former Airborne Special Forces, and now Farmer as well. Contact him for any kind of legal needs you might need for. He sponsors our Monk Shots, which is uh, viewed 45,000 times a month. Wow. Well, today is our calling day, and um, only thing I'm going to request of you all, and I'll probably repeat it, is if you stay on the topic I'm on at the time, and I'm going to give you the order in which I'm going to take up the topics. The topics are going to be, of course, this uh, thing that's just been released that we've been anticipating. I always thought should have happened a long time ago. And that is somebody come in and advocate for these hapless souls who were tricked into signing their name uh, to become a, a voter when they weren't allowed to do so. We're going to trace through that timeline today. And I'm going to do it for the for the record, for the record, for the record. And then we will post the documents that Ward's hot bulletin board, so they'll be out there for the public to see, so there's no confusion, because there is a lot of misinformation, amazing, surprising, how, who would have thunk it, in the public uh, media treatments of this issue. And of course, what has been done by the press is uh, to turn it into uh, Democrat versus Republican and uh, of course, DeSantis is the enemy, and it's all about DeSantis is the bad guy when DeSantis is not the bad guy at all. And I'll be able to prove that to you as I, I walk through these documents with you right away. Uh, so it is something I'm going to have to correct the record on right now. The Gainesville Sunset has uh, written a, uh, an article that appeared yesterday on Gainesville.com and appeared now today in the paper paper version. And it says that the Florida Rights Restoration Coalition is taking a stand in defense of convicted felons that have been charged with committing voter fraud after Governor Ron DeSantis recently announced elections fraud task force. Now, that is a little bit misleading there, you see. Um, it, it, it implies, does it not, that a, um, Santis was the one who caused these people to be uh, uh, um, beep. And um, that, that's, that's not the case at all. And you'll, you'll see that in a moment. 
the so that's one thing that's wrong with the information. And um, the coalition argues that voting rights for felons released from prison are unclear. Uh, that's not true at the time of this violation occurred by them. That is not true. In fact, it's the farthest thing from the truth. They were, of course, uh, informed, and we have the email chain to show that. So it has nothing to do with the voting rights for felons are unclear. They are very clear at the time of the crime. So uh, then the next paragraph of, of misinformation from the Gainesville Sunset says that the state's confusing voter system for returning citizens has impacted the most vulnerable voters in the system. Well, it's not a confusing voter system. Once again, the email chain will show that. And you can go look at this email chain yourself on Ward's Hot Bulletin Board when we post it here in a little bit. So it is not uh, something that has been uh, done by the state, except in so far as T.J. Pichet represents the state. And he certainly wasn't confused when he went to sign these people, and we're gonna prove that. So the uh, bless the hearts of the Florida Rights Restoration Coalition, I always thought somebody should come in and represent these guys. But they, if they have it in their minds, the way the paper here, the sunset says, they have it in their minds, and I've also got their press release, I think they're going to find out they don't know all the facts. And this is one of the things that is so alarming about what I do. You know, we used to be able to count on the press to set the story straight, but now the press is uh, complicit when the, with all these narrative cover-ups and misinformation, and so you can't count on them. So I was uh, speaking this uh, about this issue with some people. Uh, the only thing that we do that apparently very few other people do is we do the research, and we do research, and then when we do the research, we then make the conclusions. We don't make the conclusions and go looking for the supporting documents and discard those that don't support and only include those which do. Uh, this won't happen on my watch because of what I did all my life as a research professor. That was one of the first thing you taught the students not to do because I caught it instantly. So, but we don't have a quality of people of my stature out there in the newspaper world. I'll just say it blank, post up. I mean, challenge me. I mean, we just don't have them. They're, they're, I don't know if they're inferior intellects or just lazy or poorly trained or uh, probably all of the above, but they just, they just don't seem to be able to get it straight. So um, this group is now going to step in, and I don't know how what they're going to do because they're the, the, due, the due process that these hapless souls are going through has, it own, has its own momentum and its own rules and regulations. Now, if they're going to pay their lawyer's fees or liar fees, that's okay. I mean, somebody, if nothing else, will get public defenders. So I'm not sure what this group will do, but I'm all for them because they draw attention to this issue, but they're drawing attention to the issue with all sorts of misinformation. And, you know, you might, you might somebody needs to step in, a research professor of quality needs to step in and say to them, oh, wait a minute, now wait a minute, this is not, an us versus them thing. You're, you're, this is not the nasty Republicans trying to suppress um, voters. It is all, on the other hand, is trying to protect voters. Because you see, every one of these 
illegitimate votes that was that was cast by these voters canceled yours. So look at it that way on a personal level. If one of the uh, prisoners voted, which they did, then that vote counted. They don't uncount that vote. And that, that it participated in the election process. But it canceled somebody's legitimate vote. And this is, if you think that's okay, then you're in the wrong country. And you're certainly listening to the wrong show. So the press release is going to be done today, Friday at 11 a.m. in Orlando. And it's going to be done by this outfit called the Florida Rights Restoration Coalition. They're going to hold a news conference in Orlando. That's wonderful. That's wonderful because that which we started, just two of us, uh, the data investigator and yours truly, just the two of us started, has now reached the, the, the steps of a press release in Orlando being held by an outfit that is supposedly uh, formed, has been formed or is formed or is forming or reforming to protect uh, the, the um, um, people with records. So the, uh, the, the here's, here's, their, here's what they say they're committed to, to continue to serve as a resource for returning citizens in the state who have challenges participating in the election process. Great. I'm all for that. Where did the challenges come from? As we'll show you in a moment, yet again, the challenges come from the supervisor of elections office. Okay. The next thing this group says they do is advocate for a statewide database that would create a more efficient way to determine voter eligibility for Florida's returning citizen and better manage state resources. Hey, you need a statewide database, not just for returning citizens, which you understand are criminals who have um, supposedly done their time and paid their restitution. Um, how about everybody else on that database besides criminals? How about the, the dead voting? And how about people voting twice and and uh, come on, I mean, you know, how about the sex offenders vote? You know, why stop with just convicted felons? So you can see what this is. It is a very narrowly uh, chartered group that has a very narrow interest, but so be it. Let them get involved because maybe they'll pressure the due process to get to the bottom of this, which right now we're nowhere near the bottom of it. And I'll show you how that works. So uh, this is this is supposedly led by a fellow named Desmond Meade, who I think was once upon a time a pretty heavy duty uh, rap sheet. Uh, I have to defer here to the data investigator who briefed me just uh, shortly ago about this. But that's OK. Um, this is somebody who is nationally recognized, apparently. And um, we'll, we're all for that. I mean, I'm, I'm all for people getting involved with this to try to correct this issue, but I don't want it to be misrepresented. So this is going to be uh, done at May 6th today at 11 a.m. at 4081 CLB McLeod Road, Orlando, where that's the headquarters for Florida Rights Restoration Coalition uh, headquarters. So I'm all for that. No, who wouldn't be for crying out loud? But let's go back to the through the facts, all right? And I'm gonna walk you through the facts. And this is gonna 
And if you want to call in and address this, that's fine. I, I want to hear what you think um, if you have a thought. But um, well, uh, here, here is what we have. Um, and we have the emails, and you'll see them when we post them at Ward's Hot Bulletin Board. On, on July uh, 6, 2020, Kim Barton is informed of, by the governor's office of the ruling that the courts have allowed to stand as valid. The courts did this, not the Santas. The courts said that, yes, that law stands the test of uh, judicial scrutiny. And yes, these convicted felons must pay back restitution before they can vote. She gets that email July the 6th at 2.30 in the afternoon. Okay? You won't read this anywhere in anything I have read about this in the Gainesville Sunset. Uh, you know, it's just, it's just digging too deep for most of these outlets. Okay? And the Breitbart covered our story, but, you know, I'll give you a little secret. Breitbart reprinted what I wrote. When you looked at that Breitbart article, it was taken from what I wrote. But I never made it as a press release, but I shared it. So on July 6th at 3.07, now that's a little bit over a half hour later, 37 minutes later, July 6th, 2020, T.J. Pichet emails Barton, and Barton has said, get the stuff off the website that says they can vote. And T.J. Pichet on July the 6th says at 3.07 to Barton, it's all down. We take that to mean that he did what she said. He went over and took down any information on the Alachua County Supervisor of Elections website, that was false. That was based on the wish, hope, that the appellate court would not support the felon law, but the appellate court did, okay? And so now, and this raises an interesting question, was it up there on the website? I got to think about this now that I'm thinking out loud about it. Was it up there with the hope that the appellate court would overturn it? I'm going to look into that. I hadn't thought about that before. But at any rate, at 3.07, TJ tells his boss, all that stuff is down. Now, uh, we get the jail logs. The data investigator gets the jail logs. This is how thorough this is how thorough this is. This investigation is. Just we didn't know what was in the jail logs. We just thought we'll get the jail logs. And the jail logs are pretty interesting. You have to have a badge number. You have to check in. You have to check out. You have to state why you're coming, and you have to, uh, um, you know, for example, somebody's coming in from Kitty Dallas or something. Uh, and, and, and we're going to, and those jail logs are going to be posted on Ward's Hot Bulletin Board. And if you scroll, we get them for one week. And if, if you scroll down to July 15th, 
2020, you will see, now, July 15th is subtract 6 from 15, and that's how many days later, nine days later, after TJ knows, knows the law and has even acknowledged in his behavior that he knows the law because he takes off, he himself takes off the website, anything that would con contradict the law. He nevertheless goes in on July the 15th, 2020 at 9.10 a.m. on July the 15th, okay? Now, according to the jail logs, which you will, you will be able to inspect on your own, which will be on the Ward's Hot Bulletin Board, he leaves at 11.28 on July 15th, nine days after he knew the law. And we can prove it because he says he took it down. None of this is in any article that I've read yet. Okay? So I'm putting it on the record. A lot of people listen to this show. I'm supporting what I'm saying by putting it on the Ward's Hot Bulletin Board so you may, you may look at it. And then you can tell when what you read in the public whether or not it deviates from what the record says. Now that is on July the 15th at 1128. He's in there a couple of hours. He's in the jail a couple of hours. That's quite a while. That's quite a while. And you can go back and look at the jail logs and see if you can put that in context and see how many uh, other visitors spend what, what kind of time and why they're there and all this business. And you can, from that, uh, you can infer some things. Now, the plot thickens, my friends, because on June 24th of 2021, now why is there all this time? because it took us that long to get justice to do something. In February, we are of 2021, I believe it was February, we're in Kramer's office with the mole and all the others in there trying to make them understand we got a problem here, which they're not really enthusiastic about dealing with because, you know, this is something that, oh, well, you know, what can we do? You know, this is what's implied by their reactions. Um, you know, votes have been counted. And Kramer even states that this is a very low priority for me. I'm not really too hepped up about this. Ho hum. This is not good. You've seen other statements. It's not statistically significant. Ho hum. And then yours truly writes the narrative that is picked up by Breitbart and published practically word for word, and suddenly you have national exposure of Kramer. Well, how do you have it of Kramer? Well, the nation wonders what's going to happen. And all of a sudden, it's so coincidental, is it not, 
that long, long after we begin to see some action being taken. So this goes back all the way uh, to February of 2021. Now, the FDLE, because you know how all that wound up in their lab, we take it to Kramer. He didn't want to mess with it. So he takes it to the sheriff. The sheriff was not the sheriff when this happened, but since it's the jail, he takes it to FDLE, and FDLE begins its very thorough, very thorough investigation. We have posted their conclusion that this is a really kind of a in it bunch here running the supervisor elections office. And we saw Barton on television bristle at that defensively. So we have in our documents that we're posting on Wartop Bulletin Board, TJ Pichet's announcement in a, in a letter, in a memo to his boss, Kim Barton, that on June 20, uh, he writes it on June 24th, that he's going to resign effective July 9th of 2021. But the FDLE interviewed him at his residence on uh, before that. So uh, that's when he took the fifth. So we we have twelve. Uh, we have the we have the record of when he took the fifth. He doesn't take the fifth until FDLA, FDLE comes and finds him, and then he realizes, "Hello, I'm out of there." So he announces on the that he's going to resign on July 9th. And we don't know what happened, what worked. We don't have any idea. But the FDLE interviewed him at his residence and he took the fifth. Okay. If you got any calls about that, I'll, I'll, I'll take them. Otherwise, I'll move on. It's kind of a, an interesting kind of dilemma. Now, we've been asked, why don't we see the, um, the actual conversations that went on between FDLE and the hapless souls that are now being, whose cause is being taken up by this uh, coalition? because it's redacted and the, the, the excuse that we're given is that it's an ongoing investigation. And the dilemma that causes, if it's an ongoing investigation, how can you then publicly already say before the investigation is concluded that uh, Barton and the entire staff, which would in include TJ, except I've got to think about that, how lawyers think. He's no longer a member of the staff, is he? Right? So when Kramer and the mole say, well, not yet dry behind the ears and the mole say, the staff is exonerated. That's Martin. Does that include, I don't know. Does that, I'm gonna have, we have to research that. Does that include TJ Pichet, who's no longer a member of the staff? Because he's resigned July 9th, 2021. Got to do more and more investigating. We're going to straighten that timeline. I just, this, this comes to my mind as I'm walking through this. Hey, wait a minute. That's pretty interesting. That might be the reason TJ takes the fifth. Because he's out there twisting in the wind now. Barton didn't ask him to resign as far as we know. Because it's not on a record anywhere. But he offers his resignation. That's going to be posted out there for you to look at. 
effective July 9th. So what appears to have happened is when FDLE came to him in the previous December, he took the fifth. Now he's on his own. And if you think of it that way, it might be so, it might not be so. I don't know what the definition of staff is because he was the staff member who performed this action that has resulted in these hapless souls being toted back to the jug from one jug to the big jug to the little jug and his coalition getting involved. Then perhaps he's not considered any longer to be part of the staff because he isn't. If that's the case, then he's lighted up quite wisely because he's on his own. Now, I have to think about that. And if that's the case, then these guys coming back are all going to say what? I mean, what would you say? Hey, I, 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 was, I was led to believe that I could do this. These are hardcore convicted felons with rap sheets. Laid, pretty significant stuff. They're, they're, it would have to be incredibly out of it to think, oh, I'm just clean as a driven snow. I mean, after all, they're in the jug. And after all, if you look at the, the rap sheets, they've been in the jug a great deal of their adult life. And for many of them, some of them, it's, an, it's obviously a way of life. So there's where we are. There's where we are. And I'm just looking at uh, some of the things that are being said here. Um, Ray Stern is talking. I'm looking at his Facebook uh, chat. If you want to uh, want to call in, I'm going to keep the line open here for a minute until the bottom of the hour break. But it's pretty clear. We've got the documents. And it's pretty clear that the articles you read in the public paper don't have the documents and haven't done the time or and, you know, haven't been interested. In. See, what most of these public statements are doing is they're doing, I guess, why else would they do it? They're appealing to the paper consumers. And Gainesville is primarily Democrats. So they tip the headlines and emphasize the stuff uh, to, to rile up the Democrats. It's the same thing Biden's doing when he riles up. See, well, we'll get into that. This is a diversion. This, this abortion thing is a diversion tactic. Probably, who knows? I mean, I'm, whoever leaked it was probably told, could have been told, let's put it that way. Hey, we're going to get our butts beat all across the country. We can't win on taxes. We can't win on inflation. We can't win on immigration. All these things they can't win on. We can't win on uh, the cost of living. So let's get everybody's mind off of that. Leak that dadgum opinion. And then we'll blow it up. And then people will stop thinking about the stuff they should be thinking about. And why will they stop thinking about Because the stupid press will make it the headlines. And when the stupid press makes it to headlines, then we may be able to get by scot-free in the election and not get the house taken away from us. 
But that's obviously what's going on. That's obviously what's going on. I wouldn't be surprised. Listen, when you, we, we, we read back on all this stuff that Hillary the liar did, this is small potatoes, getting somebody to leak something out of the Supreme Court. I mean, that's small potatoes. It's an amazing world. Right back on the Ward Scott Files in just a moment. This is Ward Scott, and I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. Melvin Law, the only official injury partner of the Florida Gators. The Ward Scott Files gold sponsors are Maurice T. McDaniel, Shoot GTR, On the Spot Dry Cleaners, R&R Construction, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.awardscottfiles.com, and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Ward Scott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. May God have mercy on your soul. Or that very much surprises me that you've never been tased. You can't handle the truth! All bees poop. Uh, a warthog. He's gonna come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Welcome back to Word Scott Files. Just checking some facts here with the investigator when we're off the air there. Make sure I had them right. So, um, um, yeah. It's, it's uh, pretty, pretty pretty interesting and you'd be able to check it all out when we post all the documents and you see them for yourself so any phone calls i'll take them i'm just sitting out over here having a cup of coffee right i'm gonna chill for a second till i go to my next subject and hearing none at least i'll interrupt for something if somebody calls in somebody disagrees with something i don't know what they disagree with um, let me see. Oh, Janet Hunter disagrees with the opinion that the leak was pre-planned. Well, you know, it's opinion. Yes, Janet, that's your opinion and my opinion. And we're on here. Uh, she's talking, I assume, about the, the leak um, um, from the court on the, on the abortion thing. Um, I, knowing what I know, Janet, about how these things happen, it was pre-planned. And if not, how shall I say this? Was T.J. Pichet's behavior pre-planned of going into uh, Janet? Was it pre-planned uh, when he went into the jail? 
and knowingly, knowing what he did. Now, doesn't the leaker know that the press will pick up the Democrat versus Republican thing? Just as they picked up the Democrat versus the Republican thing in the jailhouse signees. So I'll, I'll assure you that that leak was not done. I'll assure you that that person who leaked that Alito uh, opinion did not sit down at his or her desk. I, I keep thinking it's a her. Um, sit down because it's a woman. It's a woman issue. I mean, it may, men, it wouldn't, a man wouldn't have done it. It's a woman. Now, I could be wrong, but that's where I would, as my detective work, I would start looking, first of all, uh, at women in that halls of the Supreme Court because they have a dog in the hunt, if you will. But anyway, yeah, I think that person there at the highest level of judicial strategy and conversations I, I have no I, I would start with the notion that it's pre-planned and and if somebody found something to disprove me, I'd accept it. But no, I think it was I think it was very, very calculated. Thanks for the comment. So, yeah, I, I respectfully disagree. I think it was very calculated. I mean, obviously, look, we've got Antifa bashing a, 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 a planned parenthood or whatever you call them nowadays. They go by different names. Place out west. They just busted all the windows out. You've got these crazy lefties uh, going and stalking the Supreme Court per, uh, uh, re personal residences. Uh, you've got the political employees um, uh, afraid to get on an elevator with somebody they don't know. I mean, these people are the, the violence is on the left. They keep trying. See, this is the biggest mind game going on right now. This is why Pelosi's busting her butt with this January 6th stuff. She's trying to show the violence is on the right. The violence on the right was a desperate, desperate final reaction to the endless violence on the left. Endless. Endless. And we know it because we know the Department of Justice was turning its head. The FBI was involved. The Oval Office was involved. The candidate, Democrat candidates were involved. The strict strokes, the Anthony Weiners. All these people were involved. The violence was on the left. The violence on the right was a desperate, last, hopeless attempt to try to get somebody to listen because the courts weren't going to touch it. And you see why. You see why. They even, they even postulate that, and accurately, that Roe versus Wade is not a constitutional right. And guess what? The left starts going crazy and starts bashing people's homes and buildings and, you know, wang, going crazy. Imagine what would have happened if the Supreme, and I interviewed a man, I can't remember his name now, but he said exactly that would happen. The courts won't touch it in terms of looking into an election beep, because if they do, the left will go crazy. It's time to stop being intimidated by the left. And that's what DeSantis has decided. It's time to stop being intimidated by the left. You don't let the Looney Tunes run the Looney Tunes place. I did some 
I did some research on uh, um, I did some research on Florida's was this guy who got logged on here yesterday and I invited to call in hadn't called in so I'll give him an opportunity to talk to me personally about it but I did send him um, a couple of things which are kind of interesting um, that I found um, just doing a little research stimulated by the fact that one of the listeners, one of the students wanted to know a little more about what what was going on with um, with um, abortion in these various states, because all it, do, it doesn't do away with abortion. You understand that, right? It, it does away with uh, a federal law derived from the Constitution. Illogically. So what you what you really have to do, have you know what this is all about is respect for rules. Now it's been established a long time ago that the left doesn't like rules. Um, they don't they don't care for them, and they don't observe them, and they're allowed to break them. I'll just give you a little I just give you a little story here. I was going I was going to save to the end, but this is kind of interesting. Out in Seattle, Washington, which is a by the way, Seattle is named after Chief Seattle. Um, Chief, Se <laughs> Chief Seattle is a, a pretty interesting. I think it was 1854 when he gave up the Northwest Territories. But uh, you need to read Chief Seattle's address. It's pretty interesting. Um, but in Seattle, um, guess what? What do you think the most prolific crime in Seattle is? Huh? A look on the Facebook chat. What do you think it is? Well, you know, in Chicago, it's probably murder and all that stuff. Um, what do you think the most prolific crime is? is and, you know, because you have all these progressive courts out there and you have all these opinions that, oh, it's not the poor, hapless uh, criminal. It's the system that robbed. See, the system robbed the criminal first by denying the criminal his proper opportunities. And so, therefore, it's OK if the criminal rips off the system. That's how the logic works. Well, out in Seattle. The most prolific crime is shoplifting. And I alluded to this yesterday's problem. When you go, you know, Nathan Crabb writes a story about all the junk that goes out to the landfill. Well, why does it go out to the landfill? It goes out to the landfill because of crime. Nathan Crabb, I guess, isn't smart enough or courageous enough to really dig down to the root cause. You know, in logic, we teach a primary cause, secondary cause, um, that sort of thing. Um, and uh, very, fair, very seldomly do you ever find a student can go to the primary cause. They, they take the most convenient, most obvious cause, and they make that the primary cause when it's really not the primary cause. What is the primary cause of all the junk in the in the uh, um, in uh, in the landfill? Well, it's theft. Why else would you have to put all these packages and things? I mean, could you just go in and? Well, no, you can stick it in your pocket. See, you can't stick the box in your pocket; it's too big. Although some of these imaginative people have, I guess, but it is shoplifting is a, on a ninety here, on a ninety-seven day spree. This is out of the Wall Street Journal. I thought it was pretty interesting. On a ninety-seven day spree last year, one guy, William Picone, stole from the same. Get this now, stole from the same store. Are you ready? Well, you'll never be able to guess how many times. I wouldn't either. He stole from the same store twenty-seven times. Over a 97-day spree, he walked away with more than $4,650 in merchandise. 
Huh? There's a newly elected city attorney. Her name is Ann Davison. And the only reason she's doing this is because she has a voter mandate to restore order. The judicial system wasn't going to do it. The politicians weren't going to do it. So the voters had to get together and say, come on, we're the business people being ripped off. So now this city attorney's office is running the numbers and has discovered that 118 individuals were responsible. You're ready for this? For more than 2,400 crimes in Seattle over the past five years, just 118 people. Now, we know this when we go look at the rap sheets of these hapless souls that signed up to vote, led to believe they could by TJ. Um, allegedly, anyway. So what's the deal here? Well, you take a look at the rap sheets. They've been, this, is a, this is a way of life. I mean, they've been, they've been criminals all their lives, and they'll continue to be criminals. If you run the statistics and the probabilities of somebody with a rap sheet as long as your leg changing the stripes on the tiger, no, doesn't happen. So she is trying to exclude, completely exclude from the Seattle Community Court prolific criminals. Um, She's trying to refer them to support services and assign them to life skills class. Are you serious? This is one of the biggest hoaxes perpetrated on mankind. That you can take one of these guys in the jug. I'm on Crime Stoppers board, so I see this stuff all the time. You can take one of these guys who's got a rap sheet dating back years and you can send that person a life skills class and give them community service and they're going to change your ways ha huh. so in Seattle right now you can steal up to 750 bucks worth of stuff and it's a misdemeanor okay so you can just make a regular habit I mean you can get a rap sheet misdemeanors it don't matter you go to community court Go to community court, whatever the heck that is, for trespassing, possession of tools for burglary, auto theft, property destruction. You don't go to court in Seattle. You go to community court. The Seattle criminals in community court get four tries at going straight before they're kicked out of community court. And each attempt can conclude multiple charges. So here's a guy. He gets four chances before he's kicked out of community court. And each chance can have multiple charges in it. And so all this has done is sent the message to the repeat offenders to commit more crimes. I, you know, it's, it's nuts. It's going on here. Harvey Ward says, we don't have a homeless problem. We have a houseless problem. Has this guy got his head in a jelly bean jar? What in the world is wrong with him? This guy, Mr. Picone, since 2017, has been charged. Are you ready for this? In 60 criminal cases across Washington. And police have, you wonder why the cops don't want to be cops. 
You wonder why GPD with Tony the inept is down to you know losing. You wonder how the sheriff's office leave. Well, why in the hell would you want to be a law enforcement guy if you go to all the trouble, risk being shot at, a snap wing another, and they go to the court and they get the heck out? The cops in D.C. on this Mr. Picone, according to the journal here, have referred him for prosecution to the Seattle attorney. Are you ready for this? 46 times. And what happened to those 46 times? 22 of them were referred to the Seattle Community Court, which turned him loose. He must lick his chops when he goes in there. Do you know what shuck means? Shuck is a convict term. Shuck is you shuck corn. You pull the leaves away from you get the corn. So what you learn to do is shuck people if you're a criminal. And shuck people is like wrapping them in the leaves that they need to feel secure as a corn does. So what you do as a criminal is you learn to shuck them. You learn to tell them what they want to hear. You learn to tell them what they need. You learn to act humble when you're really not. The biggest con job probably is run by, has was run by Murph the Surf, who got off a death's row. I met Murph the Surf, as I told you, personally, in the East Wing, well, on the edges of the East Wing, because nobody goes into the East Wing but the toughest of the toughest. I met Murph the Surf at the edge of the East Wing at Rayford. A brilliant guy, a handsome man, who got out because he found Jesus. Now, you tell me the truth. Did he really find Jesus? Hell, I don't know. But he found Jesus, and to convince the, the cops and all that, that he had found Jesus, he, he's always, he was always on an ankle bracelet, and a buddy of mine was his probation officer. He said, you know, you don't think I found Jesus? Just let me go into the prisons and preach, and I'll show you. And that's how he ran his rap. But he was outside. His partner, Dick Griffin, See, the two of them, Murphy Surf and Dick Griffin, killed a secretary, maybe two, I don't remember, in Fort Lauderdale, weighted their bodies down with concrete blocks and threw them in the intercoastal. It was a hit job. Dick Griffin was a black belt karate guy. And it was a buddy of Murph's. So they did this hit job. Well, the bodies floated up. Finally, they found out Dick Griffin and Murph the Surf did it. But Dick Griffin, the last time I checked, maybe he's dead now, was still in the jug, never got out. Never found Jesus. So you don't think these guys can't work the system? Now, when he was turned loose, he went right back to organized retail theft and burglary. Then he got released into a halfway house and he got a detox treatment. And then he missed a hearing and he was arrested on multiple municipal warrants. And then he turned around and pled not guilty. <clears throat> Why not? <clears throat> to a second degree burglary charge and didn't respond to a message left at a phone number listed for him in police records. And his public defender didn't respond to the inquiry for the, you know, for the deadline of this article, the Wall Street Journal says. It's amazing. 
It's amazing. Well, that's Seattle. You'll say, oh, that's that's different. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's just more highlighted there. It's more apparent. It's not different. It's not different. Okay, let's go over to Florida. Set the record straight here on Florida's. Now, Texas has a version. Georgia has a version. Our little buddy who was going to call me hadn't called me, hadn't checked in. Um, this is um, a what here. I'm going to go through the questions. I just did research on this and found this. You can find it too. At what point during a pregnancy is abortion currently legal in Florida? Florida law allows abortion until the third trimester, about 24 weeks of pregnancy. That is around the time when a baby begins to become viable outside the womb. Now, my student yesterday asked, well, what about other circumstances, rape and this and that one and other? State law in Florida allows third trimester abortion cases, abortions and cases in which the pregnant person's life could be at risk or in which the pregnant person risks irreversible physical impairment and major bodily function. Beginning July 1st, Florida will have the state's strictest ban on abortions in the post Roe versus Wade era. Most abortions will only be legal if performed in the first 15 weeks of pregnancy. The law will have exemptions for people who have fatal fetal abnormalities. Now, the Mississippi law is the basis for the one that was leaked out of the U.S. Supreme Court, just for you, so you'll know. Will the new Florida law make exceptions for pregnancies arising from rape, incest, or human trafficking? No if the abortion is not performed in the first 15 weeks. If you wanna have an abortion because of rape, incest or human trafficking, you gotta perform it in the first 15 weeks because after that you're killing a human being. Okay, that clears up the question I hope for my student who's absent from class today. Not always the case. Um, Hopefully it clears it up. Will the new law allow pregnancy to be terminated for medical reasons? Yes, the new law permits abortions after 15 weeks if carrying the pregnancy to term would put the pregnant person's life at risk or cause irreversible physical impairment. The pregnancy can also be terminated if the fetus has a fatal abnormality. In either case, two physicians must certify the decision in writing though one physician can certify the procedure if no other doctor is available. Question comes up, will minors be able to get an abortion? Yes, the new law does not impose any new age restrictions on abortion access. But as of June, 2020, the minors are required to have consent from a parent or guardian before terminating a pregnancy. A minor can get the requirement waived if a judge rules that the minor is sufficiently mature enough to make the decision. 
How many abortions are performed in Florida? Uh, apparently, for 75,000 abortions were performed in 2021. About 4,500 abortions were performed in the second trimester, 12 weeks after 12 weeks of pregnancy. Of those second trimester abortions, three were performed in cases of incest and 14 were performed in cases of rape. Those must all be carried to term after 15 weeks under the new law. Now, the subject of medication abortion is going to be the next hot topic, from what I can tell. Medication abortions will still be available, but subject to the same 15-week ban. Using medication to induce abortion is, of course, increasingly popular for people who are up to 10 weeks pregnant. Um, as of 2020, uh, medical abortion accounted for the majority of all U.S. abortions. And in Florida, only licensed physicians can prescribe uh, the two-part treatment. First pill has to be taken in a clinic or a hospital. Second medication can be taken at home. And many clinics require that patients schedule a follow-up appointment two weeks later. And the new law requires also that abortion providers to count the number of medicine-induced abortions each month and report that number to the state. And you know how they work. Uh, it's, um, uh, it works by terminating the pregnancy with a drug that is, uh, doesn't require surgery, anesthesia, and it can be safely done in the clinic, et cetera, et cetera. Can Florida patients receive abortion pills prescribed remotely by out-of-state doctors under the new law? And the answer is no. Okay. And what happens to abortions in Florida if the U.S. Supreme Court draft opinion becomes legal precedent? If the U.S. Supreme Court overturns Roe versus Wade, that would return control of the availability of abortions to state government. Florida's 15-week ban would become law on July 1st. But thereafter, the legislature could pass more restrictions later if it wanted to. DeSantis could call a special session. Anything is possible. They could put a total ban on abortions. They could wait till 2023 legislation. So for now, Florida is not one of the 13 states that has passed so-called trigger laws, which puts bans on limits on abortions that go into effect if Roe versus Wade is struck down. I hope that helps my student who asked that question. I appreciate you him asking the question because it caused me to go look at it. I probably wouldn't have looked at it otherwise. Um, but now it's out there in the forefront. And as we know, it is out there as a diversion, my friends. Out there as a diversion. Um, and this has been properly noted, I think, by um, this lady who... Um, um, who is um, one of the more respected columnists uh, that I sometimes look at, uh, Kimberly Strassel. I don't always agree with her, but she's put she's got it nailed. She says that this uh, leak, uh, and if you read her, Janet Hunter, you would come to the conclusion that the leak is done pre-planned. Um, now what we've got is uh, the uh, the de-emphasis de of any legal reasoning in the case. The Democrats did that on purpose. The legal reasoning is sound. I went through that with you. The legal reasoning is absolutely sound. First time we've had sound legal reasoning. But it's so sound that the only re rebuttal that the Democrats have is to go to the public and start stirring up emotions. So um, 
Um, this, of course, will uh, also bring up the idea of whether or not um, these justices lied to the Senate in confirmation hearings. They're going to pull up. They're going to pull up everything. They're going to bring in the Electoral College. Um, they're going to wage war. This this is going to be the this is going to be their last ditch attempt to save the Alamo because they have screwed up all the things that really matter to us. That's what it costs us to live here. Uh, that's what it, you know, the, you know, Sleepy Joe's response time and all this business. So this is all a an attempt to whip up anger to mobilize uh, the Democrat base in the fall election. Will it work? Uh, people are betting it won't work. It's that's not people. We, people like me are going to show it, point it out to you. No, it's not going to work. We're not that stupid. So. The bigger question is going to remain for the Democrats is can they move voters to make prior, uh, a prioritize abortion at the top of the list? Because they're going to keep it out there. They're, for the next six months, my friend, get ready to see some of the most angry public response uh, behavior out of the left that you've seen in quite some time. Get ready for buildings to be bashed, people to be trashed, uh, newspaper lines, uh, headlines to be hysterical and full of misinformation. Um, you know, it's going to have a scorched earth policy because they are ramp up the January 6th, everything they can do because they're scared to death that they can't win it on forgiving college tuition, clean energy, all that business. It's not going to win it. Not when the economy is so bad. And people remember the $800 billion stimulus that forced the passage of Obamacare. Um, they don't forget that. They, they, you know, Hillary the liar, they haven't forgotten. Um, they know that Biden's election is shaky and, and he's even shakier. <clears throat> and we know that from people who visit him in the office, in the actual Oval Office. So get ready. You're going to see a scorched earth policy for the next um, six months. Hopefully today what we taught you today will be uh, in the record and you can consult it on the Warsaw Bulletin Board. And um, I guess we don't get more calls. We'll probably take the phone line down. It's expensive to have. So we'll see how it goes a couple more times. And if we don't get the calls, we'll take the phone line down. So thanks so much for tuning in. To the, uh, we're going to have a great show Monday on uh, Coach Hogg's um, locker room going to have a Hall of Fame umpire, John Magnuson. It's going to be a great show. We'll talk to you soon. Warthog Command Center out.